Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us back here on Bikes and Big Ideas on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm David Golay, the bike editor at Blister and host of the show, and you can check out everything that we've been up to, which includes a whole lot of reviews of bikes and other gear over at blisterreview.com. And one of those things that we've been spending a lot of time on of late is the Chromag Darko, which is at least in part the topic of conversation on this week's episode, because I'm sitting down with Chromag engineer Joe Schwan to talk about the development of their line of full suspension bikes. And I think that makes for quite an interesting conversation because Chromag is known very strongly for their hardtails and for making notably aggressive ones. But last year, they rolled out some full suspension bikes too, or adult ones, the minor threat kids bike's been out for a little while now. And they are doing things rather differently in a way that feels very Chromag. So Joe and I chat about the very lengthy development process that these bikes went through, starting with their first prototype all the way back in 2012, the hiatus that Chromag took from full suspension bike development, having learned from that first effort that they just weren't ready to do it to the level that they wanted to, picking things back up in 2018, and where it all went from there, and Joe also teases some more full suspension bikes that may or may not be coming from Chromag at some point in the future. So there's a lot in here. It's a very cool conversation, and Joe has got some good insights into what it takes to develop a full suspension bike, what they've done with the Darko and Lowdown, and a whole lot more. But before we get into it, I do want to take a quick moment to remind folks about our Blister Plus membership, which in addition to all of the great benefits of a standard Blister membership, including the ability to send us an email and get a recommendation for your next bike purchase, ski upgrade, or just talk through stuff like setting up the suspension on the bike you've already got, also gets you $25,000 of per incident, $0 deductible injury insurance if you're doing any number of outdoor activities, including biking, skiing, running, kayaking, and a whole bunch more anywhere in the world. So not only does it have the potential to save you a ton of money if you have a really catastrophic injury, but also just means that if you have something more minor come up and feel like you want to get it checked out, that's going to be covered too, whether or not you've got regular health insurance. So check it out at the link in the show notes, get yourself covered. It's got a lot of potential to save you a whole lot of money and a whole lot of headaches down the line. And with that, let's get right to my conversation with Chromag's Joe Swan. Well, Joe, great to sit down and chat this morning. How are you doing and where are you this morning? Hi, thank you. Uh, yeah, doing good. And I'm just sat in my little apartment in Whistler at the minute. Well, and kind of here to have a bit of a chat about Chromag's full suspension bike lineup, which has expanded quite a bit. But before we get into that, it would probably be good just to have you introduce yourself a little bit and tell us a little bit more about what your role is at Chromag. Sure. So yeah, I'm Joe. I'm currently, well, the owner, Ian, is, like has a, a strong hand in development, but I'm sort of the engineer. So developing sort of most of the hard goods sort of stuff. Uh, yeah, I've been at Chromag for just coming up for three years so i've kind of i came in after a, a reasonable amount of the development of the full suspension lineup had already sort of happened but i've been 
largely involved with that sort of since joining Chromag, basically. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think Chromag's kind of entry into the full suspension market's a bit of a particularly interesting one because they're probably you know, the number of brands who are sort of more strongly associated with hardtails is uh, not a long one. It's kind of a big part of Chromag's reputation for decades now. But, you know, you've, well, launched three full suspension bikes now, if you count the uh, Minor Threat, the kid's bike, and then the Darko and Lowdown on top of that. And um, just sort of to start it off, I'd be curious to have you kind of tell us a bit about what the kind of history of that development was like. And, you know, I obviously said some of it had happened before you joined Carmag, but for a company that is really kind of known as the hard car hardtail brand, where did you all start when it came to launching a bunch of full suspension bikes? Yeah, actually, the sort of first full suspension bike that we ever produced was quite a long time ago. It was around 2012, I believe the first one was made. Uh, and yeah, there's been there's been quite a lot of learning on the road to having like a released full suspension bike lineup. Yeah, that was sort of the first step. Uh, that bike... I think we actually have it on a, we've got like a sort of mini little museum on the wall at HQ. So it's, it's up there if you, if you ever stop by and yeah, like looking at any bike that's 10 years old, it's quite, it looks very dated. <laughs> it's quite archaic. So I think, but yeah, we definitely learned a lot of lessons in that in almost the biggest one was the complexity of the whole, yeah, the whole setup and operation of tying all those pieces together nicely. Uh, I think it, that bike was basically exclusively made in BC, so everything was quite close to home, which meant we had a lot of control, but also things took a lot of time and there was a lot of lessons to be learned and FAF went on with it. And I think by the time it actually, there was like a rideable prototype of it, most of the things on it wanted to be sort of revised and changed uh, just from how time moves along sort of thing. Uh, yeah, that bike was actually ridden quite extensively by a few few members of staff and so like, saw a lot of runs down the Whistler bike park and survived fairly well for it. So sort I of think, but it was definitely a kind of first foray into it with relatively little known about suspension kinematics and that sort of thing at the time. Uh, and yeah, it was re like reasonably quickly retired to be sort of the get around function, go and get a slice of pizza, take the garbage to the dump sort of like, uh, and yeah, it was never painted. So it's got pretty, rusty raw finish to it now and yeah it's definitely it's seen some miles yeah a lot of, a lot of lessons were learned from that very first bike yeah and i mean at what kind of bike were you all targeting at that point was just in terms of travel numbers and kind of general intended use obviously things have involved a great deal since 10 plus years ago but uh what was the goal at that point it was I believe this goal was like a general purpose trail bike, really. So I think it's around 140 travel. Uh, I could be misquoting this, but yeah, it was uh, just like a sort of everyday, daily use trail bike that was to, built to kind of survive the sky corridor, which is pretty harsh on bikes. And a, yeah, a pretty brutal environment to try and keep things alive in some of the time. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So made that first prototype, decided that it was a good starting point, but there were some things that needed to be revised before it was really a production ready bike and uh well i guess the fair to say that the next steps from there 
took a bit and kind of was it the sort of thing where that got put on the back burner for a while because just the task seemed a little bit bigger than perhaps had been initially anticipated or was there really continuous work going into the full suspension project from then up until the point where you had production bikes as you do now i think it sort of it kind of highlighted the amount of work required to to have a good full suspension program and really get that off the ground and you don't really want to miss on your first shot sort of thing if you're bringing things to market uh so yeah it kind of highlighted the amount of resources and time that would have to be put in to do the job as well as we'd want to do that job basically uh and so yeah, it was in, in around 2018 uh that there was kind of enough resources and knowledge and whatnot in the building that it kind of got revisited truly again but with a completely fresh take like we didn't start or it wasn't started with the sketches of that old bike and morphed from there it was a yeah it was a blank canvas setup yeah and so from that starting point the new starting point in 2018 there then what were the design goals and kind of general philosophy behind the bikes at that point we'll get into the particulars more of the individual models in a minute but broadly speaking what were you trying to achieve with the full suspension line i think the goal was still largely similar of having a kind of everyday use kind of aggressive trail bike but obviously those goalposts over that time frame had shifted quite a bit in terms of geometry numbers and yeah travel and kinematic and wheel sizes and all that sort of thing but yeah it was definitely just a yeah, like an everyday use bike that's built to survive and thrive in like a rugged environment. Right. And was, I mean, we've, you've got, well, like we said, two adult full suspension models currently in the Darko and the Lowdown. Uh, was the plan pretty much from the jump to have a couple of different sort of versions of that platform or did it start off as just all rounder bike and then kind of at some point split or otherwise morph into the current lineup of having, well, multiple options? It was a little bit before my time. So I'd be, I'd be sort of hazarding guesses at that a little bit, but the, after that sort of first prototype in, uh, in 2012, the next bike we then made, and we made a few different, we made like two little short production runs of it was like 155 mil travel. So it was a bit more of a predecessor to the lowdown in being like a kind of longer travel trail bike. Uh, but yeah, the sort of distinction of having, you can't have one bike that does everything perfectly sort of thing, of course. Uh, so the separation of having the shorter travel Darko and the lowdown happened sort of in the sort of midst of that uh, 155, it's known as internally, like in that sort of development time there, it was realized that yeah, could have a wider range than just a single bike, basically. Yeah, and I mean, certainly that makes sense. And as you noted very rightly, you know, there's no one bike that can do everything ideally. It's all series of trade-offs and just a matter of kind of deciding what you want to make a priority and what you're willing to sacrifice a little bit in order to get there with anything. Yeah, where you want to stack your chips. Yeah, really doesn't matter what you're shooting for. There's just, there's no way to optimize everything at the same time and but i'm curious to hear you know what you said about really feeling like you needed to nail things right out of the gate you know it's a big change for the company and having your first 
full suspension bikes be a flop would obviously not kind of be a good way to enter that market and really change the perception of the company in terms of what you make because you know like i said sort of the hardtail company for so long but that hasn't stopped you all from still doing some bikes that are in some ways notably different from a lot of what's out there including well material selection and the darko especially i think is a bit of a unique take on an aggressive short travel trail bike in a number of ways including kind of suspension travel numbers and some other things so i guess how do you sort of think about those kinds of things when going through this design process and being like you know you obviously are trying to make bikes that ride well and do a certain set of things well but there was clearly some attention paid to making bikes that were still in a way distinctly chromags even if they were pretty different from the chromags that had been on the market up to that point and yeah as a smaller company doing things differently in some ways how do you approach those kinds of decisions and considerations i think a, a fair bit of that is like with the the owner ian who like i said has like a, a strong hand in development of things and kind of yeah filtering through all the crazy thoughts to the ones that actually make it into a more yeah into reality sort of thing uh the docker yeah like i said it's definitely it's a bit of a funny one in how bikes are typically categorized with having very aggressive geometry or for the travel numbers, very aggressive geometry. And yeah, I've heard people sort of say it as like, or there's been a few lot of reviews where people have sort of said it's like the hard tailors full suspension bike. And I, I hear that it's a bit of a funny one for, uh, when I hear people say that it's almost like they're thinking it's like a soft tail, like it's not an actual full suspension bike. I know it's only got 120 mile of rear travel, but that's a pretty good get out of jail free card in comparison to a hardtail. Uh, so yeah, it's sort of, it's definitely a, a bit of an outlier, but we're a slightly outlier company, I guess, in some ways, like it's, yeah, it's, it's a few people's shot of whiskey, not everyone's cup of tea sort of thing. So for the right person, that bike is what they've been waiting for and they'll be absolutely stoked on it. And yeah, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that a 120mm travel aggressive geometry steel full suspension bikes, the one for the absolute masses and for everyone, but for the right people it and for the right sort of style of rider, it's pretty dreamy. It goes really well. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've been spending a good bit of time on one, working on that review at present, and am really getting along with it very well. And I think the what you said's about right. It's it's a little bit different. It's not going to be the bike for everyone, but it does some things pretty uniquely well too for being a bit different. And uh, yeah, for the right folks, I think it's a ton of fun. Let's talk about, I mean, we should maybe run through just a little bit more of the details of the bike. It's a 120 rear bike as we've discussed, but built around a 150 travel fork. So a little bit bigger mismatch in terms of travel numbers there than average and then yeah as we said sort of notably aggressive geometry 64 degree head tube angle quite long reach sort of medium long chain stays um or medium length chain stays really i suppose um quite low bottom bracket kind of thing but then it's got a steel front triangle and 
seat stays on the standard one, aluminum chainstay, regardless. And then there's a titanium front triangle option also if you want to go that route. And what was the decision to go with, well, as we said, largely, though not entirely steel-like? And how do you think about material selection for various parts of a full suspension bike? Because you've got, well, one, got more options for mixing and matching in certain ways and have done so with the aluminum chainstays on that bike. And what are the considerations like there? I guess running with a steel front triangle was kind of sticking to to what we know from all our, our hardtail experience and the kind of chromag way of doing things or how we have done things with a suspension lineup and most of the products as well is that we do a sort of smaller production close to home. So a lot of these have been, we've made like a sort of initial Canadian production of both Darkos and Lowdowns and like one for fives and that sort of thing beforehand. And we've got welders with like great experience and we've got the kind of resources to do that well and nicely with like good materials. And it's kind of, yeah, it's like a nice known entity entity to us. Uh, also a lot of people associate Chromag with steel frames. So it'd be a little bit of a weird brand move if we'd like immediately released, I don't know, like some kind of catalog bought aluminum suspension frame. It'd have been a bit of a bit of an odd move for it. So yeah, we have a lot of experience with steel and we sort of believe in like the ride feel of steel and the kind of benefits that that, that can bring. With using aluminum for, for different parts of it, like specifically the chainstay, the main, well, there's a few reasons for that, but the chainstay has like a, a huge impact on the sort of rigidity of the bike as a whole structure and try to make that part in steel and it house bearings and not be super heavy and really expensive to produce and machine parts of it and whatnot would be quite challenging. So like aluminum kind of suited that part best, basically. And help to sort of yeah balance like weight and stiffness and and whatnot. Sure, and kind of along those lines, I mean, how would you say that you think about trying to figure out what the quote unquote right balance of stiffness is for a bike? Right. I mean, we've had so many years of bike company marketing saying stuff like you know X percent stiffer than the last one, and sort of promulgating this idea that stiffer is inherently and always better which i think is pretty definitely wrong so when you're kind of trying to figure out those sorts of balances and trade-offs what are you looking at to figure out where you want to wind up yeah that's it's a tricky one because yeah like you said the, the industry's kind of yeah changed its goalposts a little bit with things going to be like gate levels of stiffness and then now compliance is like the cool buzzword and everyone's considering how compliant things are laterally and things like that. Uh, you can obviously do stuff in like FEAs, like finite element analysis and general stiffness calculations of tubing. Uh, there's a level where you kind of just need to ride stuff as well to get a true feeling of it. You can do all the calculations you want, but there's a point at which how it actually feels as a complete package is obviously the most important thing. Uh, and yeah, we've definitely, with some of our development, we've gone kind of too far one way and too far the other way and found the kind of edges of that. Uh, yeah, like the 155, we can sort of maybe chat a little bit more about later, but some of that bike had a lot of uh, a lot of like distinctive ride characteristics, some of which were really good and other, other ones sort of made it not so suitable for like mass production and sale to the public sort of thing. But yeah, it's all the lessons learned along the way of different 
like cross sections and materials and uh like ways of approaching parts of the bike it all sort of it all ties together sort of thing yeah i mean certainly that makes sense and just needing to build some prototypes and ride them and learn from that whole process of course makes sense but as you just said there it's also kind of a complex system with a lot of parts going into it and how do you think about isolating you know you have a have a prototype say with certain ride feel decide that you want to make it feel different in a given way i mean where are you how do you kind of think about figuring out what actually needs to get changed in order to accomplish that because there are just so many factors going into the total structure and frame stiffness and all the rest of the variables that are at play there it's not quite as simple as just riding a bike being like oh well i'd like it to do this differently and snapping your fingers to make those changes you know yeah no it's definitely it's definitely tricky and like bikes are both beautifully simple and crazily complex at the same time when you start going into like little nitty-gritty of bits and yeah it looks everything looks simple on sort of paper or when you don't think about it too much and then the more you think about it the more you kind of <laughs> the more you start to drown in all the things that you can do and the things you can change uh yeah it's sort of i guess it's hard to give a kind of super definitive answer to what we would do with different bits and bobs but well, yeah of course i mean sure it depends massively on what the goal you're at like in particular is right you can't just be thinking of like a general thing to change for any particular output but but yeah getting getting rider feedback from different people and like everyone's a different size and shape bag of meat that wants to like feel different things and be isolated from stuff or feel everything from different things so yeah it's it's definitely a tricky one to kind of refine on what the window of sort of like the ideal window that most people can get along with it and set up how they want and kind of get the ride feel that they want from that despite being different weights and strengths and riding styles and riding in different places sort of thing uh yeah but changing things like bearing arrangements and that sort of stuff and even like the hardware used uh at like bullet joints or like kinematic points and everything makes a or can make a meaningful difference sort of thing yeah and i guess to sort of bring it back around you know you already mentioned folks sort of describing the darko as a hard tailors full suspension bike but it sounded like that description doesn't sit entirely cleanly with you so how would you characterize it it's tricky because so much of it comes down to how you build a bike up and how you set it up so i obviously put quite a lot of time onto on a darko and a lowdown and sort of all of our models or all our full suspension bike models and i find it really hard to categorize things because I've had at one point I had the Darko built up as like a lightweight little cross country, like I wouldn't quite say cross country race bike, but like a a Whistler cross country race bike. So did a few tunies, did like back 40, like set up to be as like efficient and like nimble as possible. And then I've also had it with downhill tires and me like chasing my friends down Blackcomb laps and which is sort of one of the more, or more vertical and like kind of trails less suited to a 120 mil travel bike in, in our neighborhood. Uh, And you can kind of, yeah, you can kind of blur the lines of bikes pretty well with how you build it and how you set up suspension. So it's a bit of a tricky one to fully categorize things, I find, some of the time. People, people love doing it, but it, it's difficult to like completely put that stamp on stuff. Because, yeah, the difference in even just changing tires, going from like an XO casing maxed hair tire or whatever brand you prefer uh, to a downhill spec tire, the way a bike handles is so different and like how 
how willing you are to do dumb things on it changes quite dramatically in my head anyway. Yep. And I've been going through some of that exact same thing on the Dark Hope that I've got in for review. Uh, start Starts off with XO plus case and tires as stock. That's kind of how got the bike from you. I've ridden a bunch like that. I've also put downhill tires and some bigger brakes and a couple little things on it and beefed it up and gotten after actually on some some of the black home stuff also spent a nice. while on, over there on it and in the whistler bike park a bit as well and kind of run the full gamut on that bike um which has been quite interesting and sort of along that note too how different do you reckon the Thai darko rides as compared to the steel one and um obviously the, the Thai one is a, a solid chunk lighter but apart from that are there notable differences in feel i i've not actually personally ridden a taiwan so i'm not i'm not best placed to say uh but there's definitely sort of or oh, with tie hard tails which i also have not had the opportunity to ride uh yeah there will you'll feel a difference i think with titanium because it's such a it's like a tactile like sexy material so i think people people get enjoyment just because they know they've got the tie thing and i'm sure you will feel a ride difference as well like some of our uh some of my colleagues have had both like steel and tie root down so a hardtail and yeah so describing the sort of feel differences of those two things but a lot of the appeal i think of the titanium is that it's this it's just beautiful like you're kind of drawn to titanium or nerdy bike weirdos are totally drawn to titanium so i think like it's yeah it's it's lovely to look at. Uh, but yeah, there will be some ride feel differences, but I'd, I'd struggle to comment because I've not had the sort of first-hand experience in that. Sorry, I wouldn't want wouldn't to blow smoke too much. Yeah, fair enough. Just curious on that. Uh, I've actually sort of interestingly been riding quite a few steel full suspension bikes of late. I've had, in addition, you know, the Darko amongst them, but a bunch have been coming through here. and uh, But have... Yeah, yet to ride a Thai full suspension bike. So curious, but uh, yeah, I have not, have not made that happen yet. And I mean, I guess it's worth noting too that just pigeonholing bikes based on the frame materials, a bit reductive and not the most accurate. There are very dramatic differences in ride feel between steel full suspension bikes, just in terms of tube set selection and so on, you know, all of the different levers that one can pull when designing a bike that, um, do make some very notable differences in it so it's not like you can just go frame material x equals y ride feel it's certainly a good bit more complicated than that perhaps moving on to the lowdown here tell us a bit about that bike and what the design goals around that were sure so yeah the lowdowns are a longer travel adults full suspension bike uh the geometry between it and the darko aren't massively different like it's like half a degree slacker head tube, degree steeper seat tube, but reach numbers and that sort of thing are, are very similar, very comparable. Uh, but yeah, and it's a 158 stroke 170 bikes, like a 160, 170 bike. And it sounds, it's kind of like a lot of little small things, but like 30 mil travels on the rear is a, a big difference. Like it really changes the character of the bike and the slight geometry changes, like angle changes. Yeah, like, the lowdown's a burly bike like it wants you to be silly on it sort of thing 
the Docker is sort of into that as well. But if you're riding the bike park a lot, you're really wanting to push things hard, then the lowdown kind of sets itself apart on the descents for sure. I think the kind of the the biggest misconception or the biggest surprise to a lot of people that like both staff and customers that have bought them is that it actually climbs really well. <laughs> for everyone sees this big, pretty long geometry, not the lightest ever, like steel full suspension bike, and thinks it's just gonna be a plow that's a bit of a bit of a slog to get up the hill. But it actually pedals really well, partly from having like a reasonable uh like anti-squat and sort of reasonable pedaling platform but also just the geometry it puts you nice and central in the bike. So yeah, you just feel you've got a lot of grip in almost all scenarios. So I think like it's, yeah, a predictable and like easy to get along with bike in that regard. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely a, a very different flavor to the Darko. Like the Lowland's a lot of bike, like it, it works very well in Whistler. Like I've had a lot of fun on that and it's definitely for where I live. It's the kind of, like I've already got room for one mountain bike in my little house and it's a lowdown at the minute. I think if I was back in back home in Scotland, then it would probably be a little bit much for a lot of the stuff there, honestly. And I'd be more swayed to ride the Darko in those sort of scenarios because I mean it's fun being it's fun being both overbiked and underbiked, but if everything felt very vanilla because you're on a, yeah, a bike that can handle everything and you're kind of bootling around fairly small hills comparatively, I think you'd get yeah, I'd have a bit more excitement on the Darko in it. In a mellower riding environment yeah certainly makes sense and i think that note about some of the differences not looking all that stark on paper but a number of comparatively minor tweaks in agri adding up to a pretty big change in the bike feel very much checks out not ridden the lowdown yet but uh just generally speaking from you know all the stuff that i do test uh things that don't look massive can all add up to actually something pretty significant and curious a little bit since we're touching on material selection a bit too there is a notable difference between the two in terms of the uh lowdown having gone to aluminum seat stays full aluminum rear end rather than the steel ones on the darko uh despite the fact that the suspension layout is at least sort of in conceptual terms basically the same um kind of horse link bike vertical shock pretty short rocker link on both uh what drives that thinking and kind of why take different approaches on the two so with the with the lowdown or oh, we've experimented with uh aluminum seat stays in the darko as well like we've ridden some prototypes of that and you you notice the the sort of flex in cornering <laughs> so that's kind of the biggest takeaway of between like changing those two bits that you notice in uh and it kind of suited the the like typical way you'd ride the darko better and the aesthetics and everything look great with it as well but with the the steel kind of suits the shorter travel a little bit nicer you're like a little bit less likely to be absolutely rallying big bermed corners as you are with the lowdown which is where you kind of notice that difference a little bit more so just from the kind of terrain that you're typically going to take that bike into it being a little bit sort of torsionally stiffer works a bit better with the longer travel and kind of the way you the way you're willing to push a bike with a sort of bigger get out of jail free card kind of wants you to have it a little bit stiffer as well uh, and yeah the the alloy ends yeah it kind of suits the lowdown's character a little bit better from what we've tried with the two different things yeah fair enough and you know 
right tool for the job kind of thing. And this is getting away from the design a bit, but just curious to kind of hear what the response has been from Chromag going into the full suspension world after so many years of having, well, at least as far as production bikes are concerned, hardtails only. And, uh, you know, have people been surprised to see this move? Have What's the sort of general public response been like? Uh, I don't think, well, I think anyone that's in the seat of sky hasn't been all that surprised because there's been, yeah, numerous people, myself included, on sort of various chromag prototypes along the way and yet it got to the point where people wouldn't even ask you what what's that they'd be like oh how is that and there's no decals no badges on it but they'd like they'd know that that was the chromag full test sort of thing so i don't think it was a huge surprise to a lot of a lot of people local to us it is also it's one of those funny things where i think there was like a spy shot on pink bike of like taylor who's one of the the kids who works for us in summer he had a bike and it was like tied up with a shoestring to like a chair outside his school and people were like talking about it and there's like three of them sat out front of the shop. So like anyone, it was this kind of funny secret that's not really a secret sort of thing. So yeah, I don't think it, I don't think it surprised many people that were, were close to us anyway. But yeah, and the response has been good. I'm somewhat disconnected from sales and that sort of thing, but there's definite sort of excitement and hype for that sort of stuff coming. Uh, again, we kind of touched on it before, but the lowdown sort of, is a bit easier to categorize and has a has a wider appeal because of that. Uh, so yeah, there's definitely a lot more staff riding lowdowns and there's staff riding darkos at the minute, partly because of where we live and whatnot as well. And because they just come out so everyone wants to sort of get on the latest thing. Uh, but yeah, the, the response has been good. Uh, like there's a bunch of them out for reviews, like yourself included at the minute. So I think there'll be a kind of a little bit of a wave of them having a bit more media attention when that comes out as well. But yeah, positive responses for sure. Yeah, right on. And you sort of had mentioned earlier too, talking, bring it back around to the 155. Would be curious to hear a bit more just about that sort of intermediate step along the way to having these out, what you had uh, sort of done with that design-wise, what you learned from it. Floor is yours, I guess. Sure. Yeah, so the 155, when I when I arrived at Chromag, Ben and Emily and a few other other people were riding them at that point. Like they had already been produced. Uh, it's or how I describe it, and it makes sense. <laughs> a photo says a thousand words, doesn't it? Uh, but it's still a horse pivot four bar bike, but with a horizontal shock. And the kind of bit that was slightly like different looking is that it had a yoke shock extender, and that was concentric to the seat stay pivot as well. So yeah, it looks distinctly different to to a lowdown or a darko, despite having largely the same like suspension uh, arrangement. And yeah, it was, I rode in quite a bit and it was a really unique feeling bike for, for a few reasons. The main one was that it had quite a lot of, it was quite flexible. Uh, so in certain situations, it felt amazing. Like if you had to track it off canvas section or anything that was like supernatural, like we were discussing at black home laps, which is kind of, a lot of like small to mid-sized compressions and like weird cambers, roots, like just like jibbly ground. It was amazing through that, but because it was quite flexible, it felt it wasn't ideal in like the bike park or scenarios like that. Like it was almost impossible to shroud a corner because it would the bike would sort of like flex and load up because of it, which was a unique feeling, which was kind of nice in some ways. But yeah, it wasn't kind of 
mass market sellable, I wouldn't say. Uh, and yeah, things like using the yoke shock extender wasn't, it was also, it was all part of our learning process, I think, but yeah, it wasn't great for shock health. So we like went through a few coil shocks with that. Uh, and yeah, definitely like learned a bunch of stuff along the way. It was, it had a, it was the same sort of material sort of layout, I guess. It was like a darko. So it had steel front triangle, steel seat stays, but the seat stays were individual. There was no brace between them. Uh, and then uh, aluminum chainstay. And the chainstay was also a little bit sort of odd, I guess, in that it was a one-piece machined chainstay with an I-beam cross-section. So again, the idea was that it would have, it was all trying to balance the right kind of flexes and directions and compliances and yeah, whatever word you want to use for that. But to make it kind of, laterally fairly flexible but yeah still have sort of rigidity when you're going through like suspension travel but yeah it, it was definitely a, a unique feeling bike and we played around with like sort of different bearing arrangements and whatnot with that and every bearing was actually completely sealed uh, so i had like external seals on top of the bearings so again there's like there's pros and cons to everything but and the pros were that the bearings lasted amazingly well the cons was that it was quite tricky to there's a lot of individual parts and it was a bit tricky to sort of assemble the concentric pivots uh and yeah sort of various bits that were it was an interesting balance of things so i think we learned we learned a lot from that bike and sort of made a few revisions along the way with like geometry and kind of matching sort of how geometry works better with full suspension bikes because you obviously got sag and whatnot to take into account versus a hardtail it's all it's all a little bit different for bike fit uh yeah, we, we definitely learned a lot from from the 155. Uh, and yeah, super fun bike to ride, but they got rallied pretty hard by by quite a lot of people. And the kind of kinematic setup of that, of having, which I have quite long links and really smooth curves. So that sort of translated into both the Darko and the Lowdown and the Minor Threat as well. Like all our sort of, all our full suspension bikes, all, there's all cross talk between them. Like lessons are learned across the board. It's not, it's not an isolation sort of thing. I think that's the, they're a little small company, so it's not like there's like different departments doing doing different products that don't speak to each other. Like everyone's kind of it's one big melting pot for it all. Uh, but yeah, it was definitely the the one for five is more the foundation for the lowdown in terms of like suspension, kinematic, and geometry in a lot of ways as well. Be interesting just to have you sort of talk a little bit about um, the kind of rest of the Chromeg product line. We don't need to go through individual models in particular or anything but as we've sort of been touching on at various points through here i think it's a brand that's got a very distinct identity in some ways in terms of sort of the general design philosophy that goes into things and um, kind of some through lines in terms of geometry decisions pretty long reaches in general often somewhat shorter than average head tubes and stack heights quite slack head tube angles on most of the stuff um rel you know relative to their typical travel range and intended use and what have you anyway uh what sort of is there a general overarching philosophy to the range hardtails included more broadly that you sort of feel like is the through line for all of it because i feel it, it sort of feels like there is a bit of a kind of through line to it but exactly putting your finger on what makes chromag chromags maybe a little harder 
yeah, that'd be that'd be a little hard for me to yeah, put a finger on that you said. And it's gonna sound super cliche, but the aim is always to make stuff that like we the employees want to use. Uh, I think that was also a slight I think full suspension line's always been like a little little worm in, in Ian's brain tripping away. But seeing more and more staff riding other brands' full suspension bikes would definitely have been a bit of a, a motivator in that to kind of yeah, you want to see Chromag employees riding Chromag bikes, sort of thing. So that is definitely sort of part of that. Uh, and yeah, like I think where where we're based to in Whistler BC, it kind of forms a little bit of the products you make and you want things to survive the environment you're in and be useful in the environment you're in. So that definitely kind of influences our geometry and our kind of take on things. So everything's aimed to be uh, like durable and long lasting and like a dependable product because yeah, there's nothing worse than <laughs> being, being out in the sticks and having stuff give up on you. Sort of thing. So yeah, there's a bit of a bit of a theme of that for the geometry and I guess it's general like product style and expected life and that sort of stuff. Uh, with hardtails, just going through like a little bit of a, like all our products. Yeah. There's a bit of a range, uh, like different wheel sizes. It's like, again, there's often some of the geometry numbers look quite subtle, but it's the same with like Darko and Lodan that a few subtle changes adds up to quite a distinctive big change. Uh, so they've definitely all got their own characteristics and sort of ideal like sections to be, to be used in. Again, like I said before, you can totally blur lines of things by fitting burlier tires and bigger brakes and, and whatnot to kind of, yeah, blur the lines between models further. Uh, but yeah, the kind of, the theme is that everything's fairly, again, com- like comparative to market has pretty aggressive geometry, uh, and is kind of designed to take a bit of a being and be well ridden in a pretty aggressive environment, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. And certainly I've got the, got the terrain to, do that right out your front door so would be curious and maybe i'm reaching here but uh from chatting to some folks over there i think you've got more stuff in the pipeline let's say is there anything that you feel like you can tease here or are we just gonna need to leave it there i don't know how it <laughs> i don't know quite how much teasing i could do but yeah there's there's always a lot of ideas floating about and a reasonable amount of them make it down to to paper to some level there's quite it's obviously a big jump to take something that you've like designed and carded and whatnot, and then make that a physical product. Uh, but yeah, we've kind of looked into to everything from things that have less travel or in full suspension by terms, at least like things that have less travel than bikes we currently make to things that have a lot more travel than bikes we currently make. So I'm not quite sure what direction we'll truly go in for some stuff, but yeah, there's always, there's always things in the works and kind of, yeah, like ongoing like continuous improvement of things we already make and like updates for that sort of stuff. But there's there's not gonna be a new bike in the next in the next year that's gonna be a massive shock to you. I don't think it's gonna be everything takes quite a little while to to get truly off the ground and yeah, like lead times for things are kind of a bit crazy at the minute, sort of thing. But yeah. On ongoing. Well, fair enough. That is still a rather promising teaser and uh excited to see what you're cooking up. So we'll just have to stay tuned, I guess. But Joe, this has been fun. Cool insight into what you're all up to over there. Really appreciate you taking the time. And uh, like I said, having a really good time on that Darko. We'll have a full review up in a bit here. Still need a bit more time on it, but 
plugging away at it and uh folks can stay tuned for that so thanks again for coming on this has been great thanks for, thanks for having me yeah we'll need to get you on a lowdown once you once you finish the darko give them both a try that'd be great would love to make that happen too we'll be in touch nice one. thank you all right that's it for this edition of bikes and big ideas and as always we would appreciate you leaving us a rating or review an apple podcast to help keep the show going and growing I'd also like to say thanks to Joe for the conversation, thanks to Taylor Ahern for producing the episode, and thanks to you for listening. From all of us at Blister, please take good care of yourself and everybody else, and we'll be back again next week. Bye, everybody.